You're listening to Door to the District from Glasgow City Innovation District. From space and quantum applications to cutting-edge financial and health technology, this series is all about the collaboration, entrepreneurship and world-class research housed here in the city and making an impact around the world. Each episode, we take a peek behind some of the many varied district doors, finding out how people work, innovate and grow. And in this episode, we visit the Quantum Cluster and venture into a fascinating world of emerging technology. It's so new. It's so exciting. There, there is so much potential for change. I keep using the word impossible. It's impossible to predict how that's going to look. Where cutting-edge research is creating new frontiers in Glasgow and beyond. I would like to think that we are providing an attractive ecosystem where external partners can uh, find it advantageous to locate and or at least collaborate with us closely. And where groundbreaking organisations are joining a unique and growing community. It's a very early field and it's moving incredibly quickly. I think there is a great role for places like this, organisations like ourselves in Strathclyde, pulling together the companies. Thanks for joining us for the latest episode of this series from Glasgow City Innovation District. I'm your host, Katrina Shearer. Throughout this series, we've been getting to know more about the people and the work here in the city. And after taking in the enlightening work of fintech, health tech and innovation ecosystems, in this episode, we move on to quantum. Just like the other areas, this is one that covers a wide array of research, learning and progress towards commercial application. It's also where we meet the first of this episode's guests who'll help us understand their goals and objectives in the district and reveal the revolutionary prospects in store. I'm Erling Rees. I'm Professor of uh, Physics here at the University of Strathclyde. We have a group of about 10 postdoctoral researchers, so that's early career researchers, and about something like 25 PhD students. So so keeping up with the activities, what's going on in the labs, etc., that's actually a better part of a full-time job on its own. Really, the job is a mixture of supporting the research going forward here and then setting the strategic directions and, and really also bringing, of course, bringing in the income that keeps the machine running. Professor Rees is someone who knows a thing or two about working in environments where innovation is nurtured. Before joining the University of Strathclyde and assuming his role within the Innovation District, he was at Stanford University, one of the world's leading research and educational institutions. An institution that played a significant role in the development of another well-known innovation hub that you're probably familiar with, California's Silicon Valley. That is great experience when it comes to facing the challenges of the quantum world. Those challenges are also being tackled by a growing number of experts and students, as well as a legacy of learning, research and development at the district. The University of Strathclyde has traditionally had a very strong background in optics, and uh, this ranges from really the fundamental end of things in quantum physics and quantum optics, through to applications-focused, more applications-focused work. So, so that's really what we nowadays will call quantum technology. And then it ranges to on to, to laser physics. And, and laser physics is really what you can think about as, as one of the enabling technologies for, for quantum technology. And that laser physics has already led to an active local photonics industry. That was started maybe back in the 1990s through a combination of public sector intervention and, and commercial drivers 
And that's really uh, one of the successes in, in recent high-tech developments in, in this area. And this is actually an incredibly fortunate background for what we're, what we're doing, because when the UK government, I guess it's almost a decade ago, now realized the potential for quantum technology and decided to put significant uh, investment, uh, significant funding into this through the National Quantum Technologies Program, we had, a, we had an ind- industry partner there that was very keen on uh, engaging with this new technology. Uh, and the other aspect of the, of the national program that I'll highlight is the Innovate UK scheme that's supporting collaborative work between industry and academia, where we now find that several of these local photonics companies are partnering with us and have an appetite uh, to also being pioneers in the quantum technology development. And in particular, of course, also providing the underpinning photonics technology that's required for quantum technology development. One of those companies that Professor Reese is referring to may also be a familiar name, especially if you've listened to earlier shows in this series. The Fraunhofer Centre for Applied Photonics is the only UK Fraunhofer site. Its parent organisation, the world-leading Applied Research Institute, has been around for decades and it chose Glasgow as its base. And the city, with its heritage of innovation and industry, is an ideal location, especially when you consider the legacy of the scientist whose name the Institute works under. Joseph von Fraunhofer made a lasting impact in his short lifespan. Born in Germany in the late 1700s, he made significant scientific discoveries, developed critical optic and lens manufacturing techniques, and did all that while running a successful laboratory and business. Fraunhofer was and still is a great illustration of how learning, research and commerce can be combined to create progress and innovation. And the UK Executive Director, Simon Andrews, a graduate from the University of Strathclyde who studied laser physics and optoelectronics, says Fraunhofer is an exemplar for the organisation to this day. So the, the inspiration of Joseph von Fraunhofer uh, uh, that you referred to is, is very much very much alive and real for us, a scientist, inventor, entrepreneur, do, doing all of those things. So since, since 2012... Uh, we've had Fraunhofer UK. The UK government invited the, the mighty Fraunhofer Gesellschaft to do something in the UK. So over the last 10 years, the Centre for Applied Photonics has been developing uh, lasers and laser systems for, for a wide range of sectors, lots of environmental monitoring, healthcare, defence and security, as well as quantum technologies, which is about half of our business. So we're, we're very much in partnership with Strathclyde, bolted onto the side of Strathclyde, if you like, but a friendly part of the global uh, Fraunhofer Network, but working with UK companies and, and helping de-risk technologies, proving prototypes through to field demonstrations. That, their sort of role is quite well defined in technology maturity, but we do cover a lot of ground taking optical expertise into lots of different sectors and markets. So research in the field has a very firm footing in the district and the science is, I think it's fair to say, prominent and a little fashionable. Experts regularly feature in reporting on screen, in print and on podcasts, demystifying the head-scratching and sometimes unintuitive aspects of physics, computing and mechanics. And then there's the liberal use of quantum in the title and subjects of Hollywood blockbusters. It seems to be well and truly ingrained in popular science and popular culture. 
But when it comes to the actual science, well, it's probably not the first time that a term in popular parlance is one that can't be casually explained by everyone. Really understanding its development and its prospects will likely need some careful explanation if, like me, your speciality is not physics. I like to think of quantum, as, as, as many people do, of quantum 1.0 being devices we're familiar with, which rely on quantum physics. So lasers, computers and transistors within computers, electronics, uh, rely on uh, semiconductors. So when these days we talk about quantum technologies, I think we mean quantum 2.0. As devices and systems which rely on the quantum phenomenon of superposition entanglement, where we're using single photons, single atoms, uh, controlled cold atoms, pairs of photons. Those sets of phenomena are usually what we mean in quantum tech these days. Our understanding of the world has been transformed by scientists and theorists grappling with the quantum realm. The journey to understand the atom has resulted in real-world benefits, devices that we use in our lives on a daily basis. Medical devices used in hospitals, kitchen appliances in our homes, TVs, cars, mobile phones and computers of all types, they are essentials of modern life. And they're powered by transistors, semiconductors, integrated circuits and lasers, components that manipulate photons and electrons in order to operate but further research in the area has real potential to open a new technological revolution. All these group of devices, they're, they're really what forms the backbone of, of everything in electronics, in information technology, communication, data storage. But it's not using some of the really weird stuff that is in quantum physics as well. So there were a lot of other things that, that could be, be used. And, and uh, for instance, we've got a a concept in quantum physics called superposition. So what is a superposition? That's where a, a quantum system, well, for think about that as an atom, for, as a simple way of thinking about a quantum system, there can be in two or more, for that matter, states at the same time. By state, I mean, this is a technical term we use for, it can be like energy of the atom, but it can also be the state of motion. So an atom can move in two different directions at the same time and hence be in two different positions at the same time. That's until you then look at it. Then once you go in and make the measurement and ask the question, where are you? That's when the atom then decides, well, I'm here. So, but it's, it's just that, that some of that weirdness there that you can move in different directions at the same time. And also we have the, the concept of entanglement, which is almost even more weird, namely where, where two atoms can know about each other, although they're not together. They can know each other's states. They are separated. There is no way they can talk to each other. They just know each other. So these are these are some of the new things that we are trying to exploit in this this new version of a new generation of quantum technology that we are in the process of developing just now. That weirdness found at the very small scale is the cutting edge. So cutting edge, in fact, that even the experts warn against feeling complacent or too comfortable when it comes to summarising the quantum question. Well, I'm, I'm going to preface the remarks by, there's, there's a famous quantum physicist, Richard Feynman, who said, if you think you understand quantum mechanics, you don't understand quantum mechanics. I, you've probably heard that before. Um, but actually, on, on, a, on a very basic level, quantum as a concept is actually very simple. All quantum means is that there are discrete particles, if you like, that it, it's not a continuous thing. So if you think about light, we think about light as a wave, 
Um, but on the most basic level, you can come down to it and you can think of light as being broken up into particles. And the same is true for matter as well. So really, that's all quantum means, is that it's not continuous. There are steps. Um, but in terms of real-world applications, it, it starts to get very complicated when you talk about exactly what that means in terms of how things work. And There are many quantum devices in existence today. If you think about it as something that requires quantum properties to exist for it to work. So laser, for example, is a quantum device in that sense. So is an integrated circuit that's in a computer in your phone. A solar cell, for example, relies on quantum properties for it to work because basically when the light hits the solar cell that generates the electricity, that's because of the particular properties of the cell. So in that sense, quantum has been around, it's been with us for a long time, for decades. That's Una Mavitz, the head of the Design Centre at Alter Technology UK, which is based at the Technology and Innovation Centre in the district. An engineer with a PhD from Michigan State University, Una has worked in telecommunications, aerospace and defence. And along with Simon's organisation and Erling's colleagues, she's part of a collective undertaking investigating the weird stuff that the professor mentioned earlier. And they're all in agreement that quantum holds the key to some breathtaking innovations. What's new at the moment and why everybody's talking about quantum right now is that we're looking at the quantum function of an individual atom, for example, or an individual electron or a photon, even single photons. For those devices um, to work and for us to be able to manipulate those means that we really have to understand quantum properties in a way that the current technology, we don't. Um, So there's all kinds of things that are happening, uh, so quantum key decryption, all of that kind of thing. And really what these rely on is, so atom trapping, take an example, they will take an atom and cool it down to, you know, the, the smallest energy state that you can get, the lowest energy state that you can get. And they do that because when it's in that state, it has very well-defined, predictable properties. If we can observe how that changes, what you have then is, for example, a very sensitive detector. So if you can control the spin state of it, one individual atom then that's very sensitive to any change in magnetic fields. So it's a very sensitive magnetometer, for example. And then we can detect femtoteslas, so so a really incredibly small magnetic field. So small you can detect the magnetic field generated by human heart or by a thought. So, I mean, it's a massively powerful uh, technology. And on the other scale, you can use it to map the, uh, the gravitational field of the entire Earth. So it's, it's a huge... Even with complex and mystifying mechanics, there are real-life applications in the works. For example, the research, development and improvement of quantum computers is taking place around the world, and the district is no different. So you'll be familiar with our digital computers work with bits, zeros and ones that are flying around inside computers. But a quantum computer builds on what are called qubits, and these are superpositions of zeros and ones. So these are states that are both zero and one at the same time. And this changes then everything for the computer. So this will now means that this computer will now be able to solve problems that are basically intractable on a normal computer, something that is just far too difficult for any conceivable normal computer ever to get to the bottom of. 
And so this could be certain optimization processes or factorization of large numbers. You write a huge long number and it's, a, it's actually made up of a, of a product of two prime numbers. Find the prime numbers. That's a very, very difficult task on a, on a standard computer, but a quantum computer can do that. These are things that are, for instance, the basis for cryptographic techniques. This, the staggering difference then is then there between the classical computer, the ones we're using normally today, and the quantum computer, is that you actually double the power of a quantum computer every time you add a single qubit. It's really worth working hard on getting some of these good qubits and, you, and your computer just gets much bigger. The leap from our current methods of computing to quantum computing could be hugely significant. In fact, one expert who took to the stage for a TED talk on the subject in 2018, Dr. Shohini Ghosh, compared it to light bulbs replacing candles. A truly enlightening analogy that helps us understand some of the potential of a quantum future. And to get there, to overcome the hurdles of working at tiny scales and harness the ability of the atom, there's a need for collaboration which, as we've heard before, is embedded in the ethos and the practice in the district. So we're specifically working with one of our industrial partners uh, called M-squared Lasers on a project that's based on neutral atoms, where we're using state-of-the-art laser sources to hold atoms in a, in a 2D array, in a, in a grid of atoms, and we can program the device by going in specifically to, to interact with individual ones of these atoms. And then it's scaling that up and proving that these are good qubits that are the, that's the key challenge at the moment. M Squared is another industrial partner located within Glasgow City Innovation District after opening their quantum centre on site. Founded by two graduates from the University of Strathclyde, the company's award-winning precision lasers are helping researchers in the sector. And they're also a great example of how the district's quantum community is expanding. Alongside the Fraunhofer Centre and Alter Technology, M-Squared and other partners form an attractive alliance. One that excels when partnerships enabled by co-location in the district bring about long-term results and new products. In fact, partnerships at the district have opened the door for new investment. As Simon explains, it was collaboration that brought Alter Technology and their design centre to the Innovation District. They're based through in Livingston and do a range of uh, packaging and, and process and service. They started collaborating a bit more with Strathclyde and with Fraunhofer. And over the last few years, we've had support from Innovate UK and developed some products for them. And the way they would describe it is they've moved from being a service company to a product company. And such was their, their level of commitment and seeing the value from these collaborations. They secured uh, multi-million pound funding from the, the parent company in Spain and are actually setting up their own quantum design centre here in Tick just to be closer to Fraunhofer and Strathclyde uh, to do more of that work. Um, and that, that's what we're seeing more and more is, is people wanting to co-locate for that uh, closer collaboration. Alter Technologies' Scottish operations actually find their roots in a company started by two graduates from the University of Strathclyde. Thanks to a successful collaboration with Alter's Spanish team, they received and accepted a buyout. And now, with a design centre up and running in the Technology and Innovation Centre, or the TIC as Simon calls it, Alter Technology UK is opening a new chapter. 
With further plans to invest in the region, the group will look to achieve more success, like their contribution to a recent space mission where they provided components for Artemis One, NASA and the European Space Agency's latest effort in lunar exploration that launched last November. And when it comes to other potential work back here on Earth, Una points to multiple examples. One in particular that helps the construction industry when it comes to their exploration efforts and the ground beneath our very own feet. A massive contribution to excess cost for construction projects is if you start to dig and you find something you weren't expecting. Um, so, uh, so quantum devices, through that sensitivity that I was talking about, let you map things that you can't see, basically, so that they can map ahead of time and find out if there's something there so there's no nasty surprises um, so that's one sensing application. There are many on position navigation timing. So we all rely on GPS. Or the European version is GNSS. It's the same thing, basically. It's just different accents. The thing with GPS is it can be spoofed, right? It can be faked. It can also be intercepted. Um, so for military applications, for example, they're very concerned that that, that is a problem. But even for like civilian applications, so carrier ships, for example. If you're in the middle of the ocean, GPS coverage, as you can imagine, is pretty spotty, right? It's it's pretty lacking. So you'll have heard in the news, you know, a plane has gone down, it's somewhere in this 1,000 square miles, and then you can't find the wreckage, all sorts of things. That's because GPS coverage in the mid-ocean is really uh, sparse. So that's a problem. If you have a quantum device, there are various different things and components that you can use to put it together but effectively you can get a quantum device that is a substitute for gps it can't be intercepted it can't be faked and it's much more accurate and it gives you coverage even in mid-ocean these quantum applications will provide significant benefits cutting costs boosting productivity and sustainability and enhancing your lives But grand designs are rarely achieved without firstly tackling major challenges. Getting quantum technologies through to the market is is no mean feat. We're trying to take bleeding edge science and and, and drag it through to field demonstration in a real market. Some people, perhaps a little cynically, would say it's not a market yet. It's a grand R&D project. But it's also a global race where the UK has a leading position that we have to consolidate. So we've, we've taken some gargantuan complicated uh, setups and laboratories um, and had them out in the field taking real measurements doing real engineering work taking things from being uh, string and blue tack through to uh, prototypes that are usable and provable um, and also products products that are actually selling um, so it's a it's a very early field and it's moving incredibly quickly and i think there is a great role for places like this organisations like ourselves in Strathclyde pulling together the companies. Um, some, some of the small companies were quick to react in quantum technologies and the larger companies have now realised it's coming and joining in more and more and, and seeing where they want things to go. So I think the difficulties in quantum technology would be there's, there's, there's still a journey to really realise the, the full benefits, but we, we can all see who are involved. It's, it's a journey worth taking. Mapping out that journey as much as possible and addressing anything that could turn it into an uphill battle is an essential strategic objective for any organisation. And it's an objective for the leaders in the district too. 
Professor Rees sees it as an integral part of his role, providing a location where students and organisations can find resources to help them progress and where partnerships can get on track. From my perspective, I would like to think that we are providing an attractive ecosystem where external partners can uh, find it advantageous to locate and or at least collaborate with us closely. They don't have to be here, but if collaboration is, is often better if you are co-located. Then it'll build on the fact that we have a broad range of, of, of interest here and experiences, and also that we are well connected uh, on the periphery, for instance, to the other cluster areas we have at, uh, at Strathclyde, uh, providing a, a, an avenue to other researchers in the university. It's no more than an hour's drive from Glasgow to Alter's manufacturing base in Livingston. Even so, having the design centre within the Innovation District is of real benefit to Una's team. In fact, she mirrors Simon's earlier comments that physical proximity is really valuable. So they are in the same building. You know, once we're here, they're in the same building, so that's very appealing. Uh, we collaborate with them a lot. We talk to them a great deal. Um, they're a, a wonderful source of information and, and brains, basically. Um, so to be just one level down from them instead of 40 miles away is enormously appealing. So all of those collaborations are good. Um, there's also, I mean, just being in Glasgow itself is great. It's a great city. There's a lot happening here. There's a lot of parallel technology and a lot of parallel companies close to us when we're here. And then access to um, skills as well. Um, because we've got these two big universities right here, that means when I do come to hire an engineer, it's a lot easier to do that in Glasgow than it is in Livingston, for example. So with the district's quantum community expanding, substantial investment, ongoing teaching and research, and of course the partnerships we've been hearing about, what does the future hold? The applications we've heard about throughout this episode are clearly just a small sample. And, Professor Rees says, currently it's almost impossible to know how quantum applications and the work in the district will shape our lives in the years to come. Maybe they're in the... You know, what's referred to often as the unknown unknowns. I mean, what, what, what are the things we haven't even thought about yet? What are the things that, that suddenly become possible? So this could be things like once we have a quantum computer and we find a problem that is really important that we otherwise couldn't solve. So a real world problem. Or where we have a sensor that really enables us to gain new scientific and for, or, and for that matter also medical insight for instance, by seeing seeing something invisible, an electromagnetic field or something like that. Whenever you get a good idea, they, uh, we can, there's actually a magnetic field that comes out of your out of your head that can be recorded and things like that. So being able to to see these things, what goes on inside the inside the person, is pretty exciting. But if you feel like pushing our guests for some tangible benefits other than those outlined earlier. Well, the head of the design centre at Alter has one or two more up her sleeve, as you'd expect. Today, if someone has a heart attack or a suspected heart attack, you call out the paramedics and they arrive and they put you in an ambulance and they'll take you to the cardiac centre, right? And all of that can take an hour or more. With a quantum device, if you're an at-risk patient, you might even have a device in your own home already so that you can test yourself and you can tell instantly if you've what you're experiencing is a panic attack or a heart attack or 
It could be on the ambulance, for instance. So when the ambulance arrives, the paramedics can test you and they know immediately. And what that means is that they can take you to the cardiac center right away if you need it, which is what they would do today. But if you don't need it, they can leave and someone else can come. And that means the next patient who actually maybe is having a heart attack will get help faster. It means you don't have anybody coming into the cardiac center who's not, in fact, got a heart problem, which means that the cardiac center can treat people faster. They become more cost effective. Like that. So that's just one really small example of something you can do. And there's a similar thing for um, brain scans as well. Like So for people who are having a stroke or suspected of having a stroke, you can do the same thing. You can have a, a device on an ambulance that can test. And the benefits of that are massive. Next time on Door to the District, we connect with 5G and explore the advantages of digital and advanced communication. We've demonstrated 100 gigabit, and that's um, that's 100 times faster than 5G. And, you know, we, we've now found that our team's working with Kenya, we're working with New Zealand, we get you know, folks in Ireland we're speaking to, in France and Switzerland, and shared spectrum is something kind of new. This is uh, an opportunity to explore the world, not just 5G in Scotland. And I think the Innovation District is a real catalyst for change. That's it for this episode. Thank you to our guests Una Marvitt, Simon Andrews and Professor Erling Rees. And thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe if you want to know more and head to glasgowcityinnovationdistrict.com if you would like to discover your door to the district. We'll see you next time. Thank you.